Okay, we're discussing a few items about Shemel Levi and Vayishlach last night. Uh, a number of connections we got onto this topic. Keep it of aim. The main one I don't want to forget to mention, and that is that this whole disaster could have been avoided had they asked their father's opinion. They somehow, talented, great, bright 13-year-olds, even if they were 18, Lamaisa, there were two issues here. Yaakovina was a Godlo Adar, he was a Pesach Adar, he was a leader of Klai Yisrael, and he was their father. And this happened twice, both with pretty disastrous results. One was the wiping out of Shechem, and the next one's going to be Mechir Yisrael. And the assumption by both of them is that the children know, and they know better, even though we're talking about the Shift Eikah, and we're talking about great people. Lamaisa, you can't, uh, you can't possibly do that, especially when you make decisions for Klai Yisrael. That's the, that's the issue. So, Shemel Levi, when challenged by Yaakovinu, answered in this week's parasha, HaChazanah and we give them a lot of credit for their helping out their sister and the Jewish pride and ensuring the Goyim don't think that Jewish Dam or Jewish Noshim are for the taking. That's cheap. That's all understood. I didn't ask the father. So even if you forget about the Gadlodar part, which you can't, and you forget that Yaakovinu is Yaakovinu, and the Chish above us, it was the father. And if you're making a decision that certainly can affect him, a family decision, which this was, you can't just do that on your own. That's really... What? Kanan Pagimba, even there, Pinchas asked Moshe Rabbeinu because he was confused why was Moshe Rabbeinu doing something. And there's an Arichas why he didn't do it himself. Moshe Rabbeinu then told him, he didn't want to be Merlach and Merabbas. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, you're right, and uh, he who uh, remembers should carry it out, and he gave Moshe to carry it out. If there's an Isra going on, then ain't Cholken covered a Rav if you have no time to ask, if he's not standing there. Here, the Isra happened already. They want to make a point. They can make the point 10 minutes later. They could have asked him. And that was the main issue over here. The Isra, she was still there, but I don't think the three minutes, that wasn't the Cheshman. Their Cheshman was that they didn't think Yaakovino allowed to do it because they think that the father would have said it's too dangerous, don't do it. And they were young and they felt very strongly and they were kanaim, which could be positive but not here, and they felt that uh, we're not so conservative and we're going to do it. Well, Same thing by Mechir Yosef. They didn't think he would agree. We think that happened to be, they forgot to ask. There are some people, believe it or not, who only ask Shailas when they think they're going to like the answer. I'm not saying, we're talking about the shift they cause. I don't want to be talking about very great people. Lamaisa boils down to that. They thought Yaakovina wouldn't be able to see it accurately, which is uh, their chisarin in not understanding the godless Yaakovina. So they didn't ask him. So it's a begi on the godless Yaakovina and a begi on their father. And uh, kidnapping the father's son has a lot to do with the father. So it's also a keep it of aim issue. What, what was Yaakovina's plan A? The plan A was, many of them say, he was listening and as they're saying, yeah, we're going to do a bris and one people are going to come open up a shopping mall and it's going to be involved. Yaakovina opened up a shopping mall. That was the first act of a curse that David did for the town. The first shopping mall was opened up by Yid. The last one was also opened up by Yid, many in between. But they're, they're going out of style. So uh, we're, uh, that's a Stama, Stama retail issue. He was there and he was listening to the conversation and the idea was, yes, uh, bris is a good idea. Let them all be very weak after three days. And then take Dina and run. That's a good plan. It'd be too weak to resist. And if you have to 
stop a few and defend yourself, okay. If you have to kill Shechem uh, and Sa, okay. But uh, that has to be the whole town. But they didn't ask. That was the, that was the problem. Uh, so we were discussing last night the very huge sugya, very nogea, adiyam hazev on when we push for our rights and the pride and when we realize we're still in Gullis and we can't just keep pushing. And you have to uh, do what Yaakovina did and daven a lot and a lot of sheikhad, which uh, only when, when permitted by law. And the Rabbeinu Bachaya, which we're going to get to this, the full length of this in the Novi Shir, Rabbeinu Bachaya says the end of the piece where he quotes the Ramban and Rashi that he prepared for three things. He said, of course, nowadays you can only prepare for two out of three. Rabbeinu Bachaya ends his piece by saying, Tfilah, Shaykhad, <coughs> and of course, not Muhammad, because you can't go on the offensive, because if you made a fool, we're not going to go on the offensive. That was that wasn't written by the Satmaro, it was written by the Rabbeinu Bachaya, written by the Gemara. So the, that question is a moot point now because once we did it, then we have to defend it, otherwise people are going to get hurt. That's the position of uh, most of the and that's why you've got to do summer styles, but that can't be over-relied on, and uh, as we see, it all depends on schusim tefillah learning and a uh, minimal amount of eshtadlus, uh, both on the ground and in politics and in the White House and wherever else allies might be found. So we're going to get back to uh, two more examples of that in a moment. I just want to mention, of course, somebody asked me afterwards, uh, the, the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising is really a separate shear. We might get to it later on in the Navi shear. Uh, the, the debate over there was, if we indeed have nothing to lose, is it a Kiddush Hashem to show we're fighting back and, and take down Nazis? The answer is in a vacuum, yes. The question is, uh, which was debated in the Warsaw Ghetto and after, of course, for many decades, I saw many chuvas written on it during, assessing what the debate was during, and thoughts about it afterwards. Machleg is what Ramanachem Zemba held. He was the ranking Gadol in the Warsaw Ghetto. He was killed at the end of the uprising, and there are many say he encouraged it, which doesn't surprise me. And other Tamidim who were there said that, far from Pasha being quoted out of context, there was certainly Rabbanim there who did encourage it, certainly Rabbanim who didn't. And the debate is, is a serious one. Leilani uh, shouldn't come up again. And that is that if we have all gain and no loss, no downside then everybody's masking it, it should make a ration. The problem is, is that, as I mentioned last time, many people fighting and the whole resurgence done by younger people who were stronger, who had more of a chance of surviving had they just gone to concentration camps, even though survival rate there was um, below dismal. And that was taken to the Cheshman. Somebody encouraged, they say, the chance of anybody surviving is so small that we look at them as a guy for already almost, that they're not going to survive anyway. Uh, which is part of, uh, of a separate issue we didn't address yet, but I plan to talk about it soon. When a person makes a bracha, so the B'tzel HaChachma is a fascinating tshuva. He went through the war. He was in the camps. And he brings this as an example. He says, if you go to Auschwitz, anywhere you go, just to, if you remember a spot where the guest chambers were, where you were when you were saved, anybody who survived has a hundred nisim to talk about. Like if they were there for 100 days, they have uh, 200. That's two, three a day, just, just day-to-day survival. And uh, go to any spot where you remember something, something that happened, you can make the bracha over there. And he even says, which says, anybody you meet who went through it, you can make a bracha on him. Now, I, that's not the meaning, because that would mean anybody in Bar Park or Flappers or any of your grandparents. I, I never heard of anybody making a bracha on the people who went through it. A bit of a tzarechi and why. But... His main side, which is fascinating, is despite the fact that the debate in Shulchan Aruch, clear Machalitz Hashem, two days in Shulchan Aruch, whether you need a nice nigla, to make that bracha, 
or it could just be an amazing act of uh, the Yad Hashem and uh, the fact that a person survived. Normally say, and say with Hashem Malchus. The Shaila comes up a lot. As opposed to a Gaimel, which you could say with Hashem Malchus, if you just survived the first call. He says, like, concentration camps, the numbers were so bad and the odds are so against you, he holds that's like an ace nigla that anybody survived and therefore you can make the bracha with Hashem Malchus. He was a he, he was there, but, but it's not saying because he was there. He was just talking about it uh, uh, in, by the truth in real time, but it's an amazing, amazing assumption of the sugya, an amazing statement. And you could use that for the wars against uprising and say, look, even if younger people had a greater chance of survival, it was so bad we don't take it into account. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but it's a discussion. It's not, it wasn't pushed then, and the discussion afterwards wasn't pushed. The, um, one more example, just that's, uh, please don't, I never accuse anybody here of quoting anything we say out of context. We never discuss anything controversial, everybody knows that. But anybody who's listening, don't quote this out of context either. I'm not taking a position on the matter. I'm just pointing out why this is the same exact Shaila and the current events don't change. The names change and the story is always the same. Uh, a week or two ago, so um, Ambassador, I have the article over here, David Friedman, who's the ambassador now to Israel, um, to the state of Israel in this case. And uh, he actually enjoys being in Israel, which is a nice perk to the job. And uh, he gave a speech, I think it was uh, the Zionist Organization of America, I think it was, at a big dinner in New York City. And he mentioned that uh, the failure of the United States to block the resolution that the Kaisal was in illegal enemy territory was a fiasco, and he calls the dark days of the closing previous administration, which I think everybody would agree it was a disaster. Because it just puts us, it gets just dangerous, not a political thing, to say the case of Maravi is in, uh, which they were saying all along, but now they made it a resolution. So, spoke about that, he condemned it. I think everybody has that sentiment. It was done already, and we're trying to undo it, but uh, probably not easy. And then he mentioned at length that um, we're past that, and our present uh, administration will make sure we're moving the embassy to Yerushalayim, from Tel Aviv. And everybody was applauding, and we all naturally think, hey, that's great. Why don't they recognize that Yerushalayim is the capital of Israel, it always was from the time of David Melch, and that's Gavaldi. The only problem is, I'm not criticizing him. I, I don't, nobody thinks it's going to happen, but, but the discussion of it is this whole Parsha and Parsha Vayishlach, and this whole issue with, in a Gullus position, what do you ask for? Whatever you're asking for, understand that it's going to be a barter and there's going to be a lot of uh, horse trading in the back and you can't get everything. And the question is uh, how much credit and currency you're going to use up and if you use it up, you don't have it for the next thing. Moving the embassy to Shalayim. Okay. It'll show them that uh, we're not budging, we're not giving up the Kaisal. Uh, maybe. Or with the experts, this isn't this is pushing. The Experts say that if you do that, even if it passes, there's going to be not that they are dear cousins need an excuse to start another intifada, but it'll definitely spark uh, issues loyalino on the ground there and international outcry. And if it has kiyum and it really works, 
one will have to expend tremendous amount of energy and political currency to get it done. And there's no currency that has an endless supply. And if you use it over there, it's going to be not available when you need it for something probably more important. I think everybody gets that. But it's from people, when you read the Parsha, and then Rashi, and then the Ramban, you understand that uh, the first thing you got to remember, Yaakov Avinu didn't do Ishtachava seven times because he felt like groveling before Esau. It's Yaakov Avinu. It was very uncomfortable in Bizayin Atayr and in Bizayin Avagad Ladar, and, and Esau was a Russian Musha. But the Ramban says, and I saw this in Lebanon, is that uh, you got to be very careful, and if you're calling in favors, make sure you carefully weigh and deliberate what those favors are. That's the Shaila. I'm not for or against. In a vacuum, it would be great. Uh, you can go get your passports. You don't have to go to Tel Aviv. And this symbolic, uh, that's a minor thing, this symbolic aspect is they're trying to show that, uh, yes, we really own this city, and that's Gavaldic. The Shaila is at what cost? And that always has to be weighed. And that's, uh, we mentioned last night with the other uh, uh, organizations that sprang up in America in the 70s and the 80s and the... Uh, we're all sound the Jewish defense and all that's all gewaldic. You have to know uh, where and when and Jewish pride's wonderful, but uh, if the FBI is raiding uh, shuls because there's caches of um, weapons and things like that, that's not uh, necessarily something we should be doing in a place where if they don't love us, they're certainly letting us uh, function and, uh, and, and prosper at the moment. So that's an important nekuda. Again, I'm not, uh, of course, if anybody misquotes this, I'm not against the idea I'm just saying that it's not a... Everybody's applauding. It's certainly not a, a Dover Pushet. Um, two other items that we discussed last night. Uh, one is, interestingly enough, this Rabbeinu Bahaya, which we're going to treat separately because we really have to see the full Antivu, but not in the Shir. The opening line, he quotes the Joshua Chazal. <coughs> what was Yaakovino afraid of? Here of the Yetzalai. Here is that he would get killed, the family members get killed. The Yetzalai is that he would have to kill somebody else. So per your Hiroshima question and the other such questions, I want to reiterate, it's a horrible thing if civilians are going to get killed, and it's horrible that anybody has to be put in the line of fire, and we're not looking to do it. And Yaakovina was scared he might have to kill somebody. What was he scared of? If he has to kill somebody, it's a self-defense. The answer is he's afraid that he might kill somebody when he thinks it's self-defense and get the wrong guy. When you start fighting, uh, things happen. So it is a real concern. Yaakovina highlighted that concern in the eventuality which Baruch Hashem he thought was going to happen, but didn't, that he has to start fighting Esau and all his men, it's going to get very messy, and he was afraid that he would kill the wrong person, which is a, uh, a serious concern. So we're not mitigating the concern, we're just saying that Lujitsur, that's the best plan of action to save lives and to win the battle and win the war. You have to do it, try to be as careful as you can, and um, do your best. And if uh, somebody ends up uh, getting involved that's not, uh, shouldn't have been there, it's ultimately not your favor. But Yaakovina was concerned about it because he didn't want to get into that. He also didn't want to have to kill people because that would change. You don't want to get, don't want to get with Sikha into your system even when it's mutter. So he didn't want to know from the whole thing. And he was, he was afraid of it, and rightfully so. Uh, one other item, and then we go back to the regular Kibbut of Aim. Actually, uh, we discussed this last week. Uh, Somebody else asked about it last night. What is a uh, ger teshuv if he's keeping the Zion mitzvahs? So the Ramam says very clearly, speaking of the Holocaust, this is bandied around a lot, that uh, anybody who saved lives, 
They will definitely, in my opinion, get tremendous hire, and it was a wonderful thing they did. I have a Wallenberg circle here in Muncie. Did uh, wonderful things, saved a lot of people. I had a year in my shear 20 years ago, they're still going to the same shear, who was in one of his glass houses in Budapest. I made friendly with him, and he um, told me about it. He was uh, seven, eight years old, but he, he remembered it. And he's um, more advanced in age now, and he's still uh, going to that shear. And he uh, said it was incredible. He, he was really uh, most beneficial on humanitarian grounds, which is a great start. To be chassidum as just the, the term is, it's important to give them covet and to give them recognition because they want to encourage it. The term chassidum is a halachic term. The Raman spells this out quite clearly in halacha yir aleph, periches halacha yir aleph and hilchas malachim. In the discussion of the Zion Mitzvah, he actually finishes the parak with this. That's a chiddush a lot of people are The answer is yes. Not only that, there are makaris that they have tchiyas hamesim. Makaris and rishenim. They have tchiyas hamesim. What chelik alam haba? What that tchiyas? I'm not sure, but tchiyas hamesim, tchiyas meidim, either he's alive or he's not. And alam haba is different areas, but they have some chelik alam haba. For who the Ramah says the Pavaisa who shall yakabel oisam veyasa some of nation tzivah memakajer bochul b'teira he has to keep it because he knows that Hashem was mazatzava through Moshe Rabenu v'hodienu aide Moshe Rabenu a person is not precarious if he's if he's kaifer nevuas Moshe Rabenu so apparently a guy is not precarious if he's kaifer nevuas Moshe Rabenu also so he has to keep it not only because it makes sense to keep it because Hashem said it not only that Hashem said it through Moshe Rabenu not because Nayach told him. You'd think Nayak passed on to his children and grandchildren, that would be good enough. No, it has to be the Torah we have. Is Bengal the Mafreya, that's what Nayak had. We know that from Torah's motion. It has to be through Moshe Rabbeinu. Aydei Moshe Rabbeinu Shabbat Nayak, mikaydem nitztava behem. Avom asom im nehechra das. If he does it because it's logical and he feels it's moral, gets a good start. But ain't ze ger teshev. He has no right to have a status for ger teshev living in Eitz Yisrael. The ainam echasidim etzayilam. The gifts that we have is elam echachameam. He's a smart guy. It's certainly better than the alternative. And there's another gear so that he's not even Michach because he should have figured out that it's because of Teres Moshe. But he's not Chassidim Tzayim. If he is Chassidim Tzayim, the Rambam says he has a Chayim Abob, does not mention the Chayim Tzayim. There are other Rishayim that say it even has a Chayim in the Chayim Tzayim. Subject to the Machlekes is the ultimate reward Chayim Tzayim or Olam Haba. If the Ramam Lashitasa probably holds that it's Alam Habas, so he's not going to mention Tchiyas Amesim, which is the lesser of the two rewards, it's still the And the other Vishayanim held no, after Alam Habas is Tchiyas Amesim, and therefore they would point out, which they did, that the uh, Akum, who is Chasidim Zaylim, is doing it because Hashem said so. The Moshe Man will also get Tchiyas Amesim, which is the finale. We don't know which comes first or second. The Ram himself says it's hard to tell from the Pesukim, we'll find out when we get there. But uh, it's important Nakuda. Yes? Which I think, in my opinion, is definitely going to get him, has gotten him a tremendous amount of schar. The question is, is he chazidim asylum? Going to this Rambam, the answer is no. But we can think of some other wonderful titles. We can name streets after him. And we can have... uh, you know, he was taken by the Russians after the war. We don't know what happened to him, but it's certainly Gavaldic, and we should they encourage him. it. What? They killed him. Why did they kill him? Because he's too nice? Well, 
Whatever. They didn't, they didn't, need, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't need much. They okay. Didn't <laughs> okay, and that was it. Why? Okay. So uh, okay, that's that's the rumor out there. We don't know exactly how it happened, but it's not a it doesn't make a difference, unfortunately. And yes, he deserves our respect and and COVID, even uh, I was not here anymore. That that Salam is a halacha gather which gets you certain. These are you can have. See, so where else would the schar be except for Alamaba? I don't know. Certainly didn't get. Doesn't look like he got much schar by Alamazeh because after the war ended, the Russians took him in and never saw him again. So my guess is, and there's got to be some schar somewhere. That's you know my conjecture, but it doesn't fit into this get. The Rambam is talking about it. I'm talking about a person who does it because it's the right thing to do, but he doesn't do it because of terrorist measure. And there's a difference between the two. Uh, I'm not judging him, but the difference between what we see in society is if you don't have a terrorist measure, you end up doing what you think is right. And if you have other views, you'll do what you think is right, even though it's against the terrorists. So the fact that it happens to match will get you schar, perhaps. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you're Hasidim Asylum. Do we? They save Jews, which I think is off the charts in terms of potential scar. The question is, if there were Filipinos who were being persecuted in Hungary, would he have saved them? The answer is yes. He didn't save Jews because he held they were the chosen people. Save Jews because they're being oppressed, which is wonderful. And I think there's going to be scar there. The question is, does it fit into this uh, this gather? Okay, I think that uh, let's just introduce the next topic. I won't even give out the sheets, even though you probably have them already. Uh, the next subtopic is uh, very important and also very nogea. Uh, there is a Gemara Sanhedrin, to say outside now, that says that if a parent needs a medical procedure, even a simple one, like taking out a splinter, normally Haftalarech dictates that uh, the person who has a friend or an acquaintance or somebody they don't know, but goes over and can you take out my splinter? Haftalarech Why not? A mitzvah. So parents also, kosher came. After the Chamech applies to friends, certainly applies to parents. The Gemara then goes on to say, however, he shouldn't do it. The Gemara gives examples of Amaram who didn't allow their children even to take out a splinter. The splinter is the lightest case. You remember taking out splinters? Remember your parents doing it for you? Or they sort of got to sterilize a needle and then you got to, depends how deep it is, you got to scrape and scrape and scrape. There's a little blood and the kid's usually carrying on. And uh, they give him a lollipop, and then you have to pin him down, and then you keep scraping until you pull it out. Uh, that's fine for anybody else. With a parent, wounding a parent, any type of wound, external or internal, is a chiyab misa. And the Gemara says over here, even though he's not trying to wound, he's trying to help him, but any mistake of cutting too much will be a shigas chenek. With everybody else, if you cut too much, it's a shigas lav of le'yesef pen yesef, as the Gemara Maka says. So Shikas Chanik we're more worried about, and therefore the Gemara seems to say a child should not do it for the parent. What we're going to discuss next week, this is extremely nogea to splinters, shots. Dentists have asked me this question. He can't beat free. He wants to go to his son, the dentist. Go to school and he wants, uh, he wants a cleaning. Cleaning has blood. He wants a simple cleaning, simple, you know, cavity here, cavity there, root canal, not so simple. And uh, thousands of dollars. He doesn't have dental insurance. So he wants the kid to do it. 
and a host of other very practical uh, shilas that come along with this. Question is, is the Gemara saying a chumrah? Is it l'chadchila? Is it b'dieved? Is it a dinder abonon? What, what's the gather of this? Is it clear? The right says mutter, and it's a mitzvah. It's after that to a friend and to a parent. So the question is, what's the gather? What are the kulas? The shilas comes up quite often. Elderly parents, they should be healthy sometimes. They're 106 years old. They just need a shot. I'll be 12 shots. I don't know how schlep out to the doctor. The son is equipped, or the daughter is equipped to do it. He's a nurse, a doctor, a guy who knows how to give a shot. And can they do it? Uh, very important, Shaila. There are many, interestingly enough, there, there are many chuvas on this. The Gesher Achaim, that's written on Hilchas Avelis, has in the back on Hilchas end-of-life issues, and then even before end-of-life has issues of refuah. And he has a whole contrast on... This Shiloh, where the Diklai saw tremendous favor, he wrote his opinion, and then he sent it out to his Chaveim, who all the G'deli Adar in Yushalayim, he was one of the Pesky Adar as well, and we have, he sent to them for their comments. He sent it to a very young Pesek, his name is Ashlomo Zalman Arbach. It's a long time ago. He sent it to our Herzog, who was there, he sent it to others as well, and we have all the answers in just a few pages that we're going to look at next week. So Mitzvah Shem will pick it up then.